so for this week's podcast, I uh, thought it would be great if um, John, my fellow co-founder, could give us some feedback on his recent trip to Bangladesh uh, and how that went. So, because um, you've just come back, John, was it about a week ago? Yeah, uh, gosh, time goes so quickly. Uh, yeah, Sunday I came back. Uh... And he'd been out there for a couple of weeks and... That was, it's been in the news, it's been heavily in the news since the end of August this year when the most recent exodus took place. But I can remember you talking about it, I don't know, at least a year ago. Can you remember when this issue first came to your attention? I actually first uh, visited Bangladesh and the refugee camp uh, near Cox's Bazaar about six years ago. And it made me aware then for the first time of this uh, this problem in uh, in Myanmar uh, with the Rohingyas, I certainly remember first mentioning it to you and saying, you know, um, I think you know there is going to be a refugee crisis mm. very soon from from Myanmar for the Rohingyas. So fed up that I was in a way right. Um, sometimes I like to be right, but there are times. This is certainly one of the cases when I don't like to be right and. Uh, it's been horrific. I mean, the pictures we've seen in the media have been uh, like chilling and horrific, and the stories have been shocking. One of the things that people have asked me about is um, uh, the role of Aung San Suu Kyi. I mean, what's going on there? Because, you know, Nobel Peace Prize winner. Um... Yeah, um, I mean, that's, I guess that's been one of the biggest disappointments for, for, for most people. She's certainly, uh, for reasons either political or... Where she is at the moment in her status in in Myanmar, feels unable to, to to comment on it and and be so strong about it. Um, I would say that maybe yeah she is in a difficult position, but you know as far as I'm concerned personally uh, on the political side, just by virtue of what she hasn't done, um, she's very complicit in the yeah. whole situation. You know. Um, the odd word here and there, the odd um, maybe uh, not condemning it, I think would be difficult for her, but certainly uh, sympathetic uh, noises from her would certainly, um, for me, you know, not make her quite so complicit. Yeah, well, she's definitely had the chance to talk about it. and Oh, definitely, I think without a doubt. It's clearly know. ethnic cleansing, it's probably genocide, and and she's not said anything at all. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, I mean, it, it is a classic example of ethnic cleansing. Uh, and in my mind, again, you know, it, it, it's it's genocide. So the so it was the end of August that the attacks started and then people started to flee across the border. I know that we were, uh, or you were really keen to get out there pretty soon after that, but we were um, doing our talks in the UK in most of October. It was difficult to get away then, we committed to that, but then... Pretty much as soon as we were finished with that, you went over there. Yeah, I mean, a series of, of, of things happen, which thankfully do sometimes in in, in the sort of uh, humanitarian uh, situations that we're in and, and trying to help people. For me, it became very, very important uh, in August. I mean, it, 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 for me, in my mind, I knew we had to be there. You know, if we're going to help people, help refugees, 
um, then we need to go where the need is the greatest. And there are a number of places. I mean, uh, Bangladesh being one, Uganda being another, uh, Kenya being another, and, and all those were sort of playing on my mind. Um, places where we should be, but come August, the whole Rohingya thing just became a, a complete nightmare. The stories were horrific. The films were horrific. Um, and it was really trying to sort out how we were going to do it because it is such a big problem. And we're kind of a fairly small player in this and a very focused uh, player in this. You know, we, we, we've we always uh, in the past gone um, and filled the gaps where maybe the big NGOs can't go. You know, aid with dignity is so important to us and, and to try and deliver aid with dignity to a million people. <laughs> Um, it's simply, you know, uh, beyond anybody's capability, to be honest with you. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet two people in kiosk when I was um, Daniel Menzies and, uh, and Angus, both who had experience in that part of the world. Uh, Daniel's um, done humanitarian work all over that part of the world, and Angus actually uh, lived in Myanmar for a long time and, yeah. and knew the country very well. And we talked about it many times in Kiosk in the evenings we'd be having dinner. Then luckily enough, they both came over to the mainland and spent three weeks with us uh, in Filipiada and LM, which allowed us to, to really take the whole thing a bit further uh, in as much as asking them, you know, would they come over and, and, and set something up for us uh, in Bangladesh? Uh, and luckily they both agreed. And that was really the final part of the puzzle for, for, for us mm. uh, that would make it possible for us to go to Bangladesh. You know, it had to be people with experience, you know, more experience maybe than, than we had ourselves on delivering humanitarian aid in a crisis, you know, and this is what is so different, you know, it, it's not uh, delivering from a shop like we do, it's actually dealing with people that are, are in a very poor way, they're yeah, they're starving. Uh, you know, there's malnutrition. There's there's every single thing you can think of, and every single disease in one way or another. Um, and you know, we we needed the experience of these sort of people to help us mm. get set up there. Yeah, and um, I know that some people are really interested. I mean, m myself as well. You know, how do we go about? doing something with that many people, with that scale of need, it, it, you know, where the crisis has, has exploded as quickly as it has, you know, where do we get, how do we get started with something like that? Yeah, um, so I must say that uh, before going over to Bangladesh, and most probably all the way through the long trip to Bangladesh, the flights and everything, I just uh, didn't know what we could do or, or, or I didn't know what to expect when I was arrived in, in, in Cox's Bazaar. Um, and I guess through my head, I was kind of going through all the worst waste scenarios, you know, how are we going to do this? What's going to happen? And i got to say, within a day or two days of, of, of arriving in, in Cox's Bazaar and visiting the camps, the one thing that struck me straight away was what a great job the big uh, NGOs and the big players were doing UNICEF, um, World Food Program, BRAC, uh, and all those, um, and very professionally. You know, they they know what they're doing, uh, and it became obvious. 
you know, that what had happened was that these big agencies um, had thrown most probably their best people into Bangladesh. Uh, and you could tell that straight away, you know, going to the meetings, the way they, 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 they were doing everything, the, the way the meetings were conducted. And that actually made me feel a lot easier about mm. the situation because what then became obvious after especially talking to Daniel Angus um, and to Shannon was that the big agents were doing you know such a good job on mass distributions on all the big things that needed to be done but there's certainly a big gap that needs to be filled um, where they're unable to do it you know maybe with the vulnerable people vulnerable children uh, and all these types of groups that, that, that do need that special attention. Again, you know, um, the next problem was trying to identify because, you know, when we talk about vulnerable children, you know, there's over half a million children on there. Um, so then it was a matter of trying to... Over half a million children. Over half a million children, yeah. And, and you know, and, and shocking figures of, of orphans, you know, uh, children, unaccompanied children. Um, you know, are just enormous. In fact, you know, uh, they're mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. So it was really a matter of identifying how we could then set about that. Um, and as a starting point, we were informed about a camp uh, that was stuck in no man's land between uh, Myanmar and Bangladesh uh, that had a population of 6,000 uh, people. Uh, we were lucky enough that we'd built up a relationship with the army um, because it's a very difficult area to get to. It's uh, no man's land, so, you you know, it, 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 it requires negotiations with the powers that be to be allowed to have access to that. And we were lucky enough um, to be able to, 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 to get that permission to do that. So we visited, I think, three times and spoke to the elders there to find out what their needs uh, were greatest. And um, I was so impressed with the way that these meetings went because, you know, there's 6,000 people there um, in need of everything. Mm. Uh, but they immediately focused on the 1,000 children under the age of five. And with the words, and I'll never forget it, you know, uh, from 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 the leader, the, the, the you know, the elder there, um, they're our future. We need to look after them. And that just just hit me straight away, you know, uh, we can help these people because they have also identified where the need is greatest. Mm. Yeah, there's no way that we can help everybody there, is there? We need to target what we're doing. Look, we, we can't help everybody. And, and that's the first thing when you go into a big situation like this that you have to get into your mind straight away. You know, it is impossible to help everybody. But if you can make a difference and help a small group of children, then you're achieving what you have to do. Yeah, I, mean, I have to say this is one of the toughest things I find about the job because one of the things we do most in Greece is say no. <laughs> it's you know people asking for things and we we concentrate on on this one thing and the, the, they've got all these other needs as well because we're talking to them we see them every day they ask us for stuff we just can't help them with and um, but you know we're on camps here with 200 to you know 600 people. It's quite different to going to somewhere where there's tens of thousands yeah but it, 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 it is the same I mean you know it's difficult and you know you have to decide what it is that you're going to do you have to set the boundaries that everybody understands especially the people that you're trying to help so that they 
they understand that you're fairly targeted in maybe a small area of greatest need. Um, and yeah, I mean, saying no is always difficult. Mm. Um, but when you say no, you, you say it knowing that actually by saying no, you're able to deliver better aid to people because you're not trying to to do everything. It's, mm. it's impossible to do everything. You know, you, you you know, as much as we'd like to do provide medical assistance, yeah. psychological assistance, yeah. every type of assistance going, you know, we're not able to do that. Yeah. We can't help people with asylum. Sanitation. You know, yeah. yeah, but even in what we do, you know, I mean, there are times, um, you know, when we don't have enough of the particular clothes that people need, especially yeah. now in Greece with winter coming, yeah. you know, and, and, and it does happen. And you have to just accept the fact that you can't do everything. But let's, you know, you have to do what you can do to the best of your ability. Mm. So there's this small, I say small, I mean, 6,000 people is enormous, right? But I mean, in, in Bangladesh terms, it's a small camp. Um, and what are we going to do there? I mean, it's developing, isn't it? So. Yeah. So, I mean, so the first thing we're, we're, we're doing, uh, our first distribution um, will take place uh, most probably on Monday or Tuesday uh, as this podcast goes out. Yeah. Um, is uh, nutritional food, as in fresh fruits and vegetables, specifically aimed at the 1,000 plus, I think it's about 1,100 uh, children under the age of uh, under the age of five. Um, at the same time, uh, we have that, uh, that, that blows my mind as well. Yeah, I know. A thousand ki- kids under the age of five. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I have the figures. I don't have them in my head, but I mean, I think the 67 pregnant women that we need to get supplements to as well. Mm. Um, and then you know the total number out of that 6,000 of of children. It's over 50% under the age of 18. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is enormous. And that's the other reason that one of the other projects now, and we've had permission from uh, from the army, is to build a, a child-friendly space uh, where the children can at least come for a certain amount of time during the day uh, and be children. Mm. You know, what we want to do is, you know, uh, provide them with some games and, and just take their mind away from from the life that they're living on the camp. Uh, that's so important you know um the children you know when you first see them you know when you go around the camp you know they're smiling they're laughing and everything mm. but you know underneath all that that there's so much going on in their minds sure. um you know and just for them to have somewhere where just for a little while during the day they can forget everything and just be children again is is, is fantastic mm. it's actually nice to hear that the big agencies are doing a great job because they've had a lot of stick in greece haven't they you know we've we've seen them do good work but they have had a lot of criticism here yeah i mean i'm not going to go into the criticism in in greece um or or anywhere um you know the big agencies are doing a good job and they're focused on what they're supposed to be doing mm. you know i think sometimes what happens and, and 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 the criticism can come because some people feel that they're not doing enough and I'm, I'm having kind of difficult to try and explain this but you know anything you do and we, we just touched on it a minute ago you know you have to decide what you're going to do mm. and do that well and then unfortunately you have to walk away from some of the other things now in Bangladesh you know the main thing is medical and food mm. you know and the big agencies are focused on that you know but even for the big agencies 
you know, to cover a million people in a vast area with no proper roads, no yeah. proper infrastructure, it's difficult, you know, and most probably, you know, there's most probably still 30% of the camp um, that they haven't uh, touched. I mean, another big problem, and I went to, uh, it was about one of the last meetings I attended in Bangladesh, and even myself, who likes to think that, that I'm fairly aware of what's going on, was this highlight of, it's all very well giving them fruit, food, um, but they're struggling in methods of cooking it. Uh, fuel, there is a fuel mm. poverty on the camp, mm. uh, because, the, you know, the wood, you know, imagine a, mil a million people, the amount of wood that they use um, yeah. to uh, to cook their food, you know, and and they're having to work walk now for for two hours, three hours, just to get enough uh, wood to carry on their back uh, to be able to cook, and you know you can't carry a lot of wood on your back, you know, for two or three hours, um, you know. So this is again the big agencies are 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 onto this straight away, you know. They're looking at you know briquettes and. Uh, uh, gas distribution. Mm. Um, the problem is, of course, um, at the moment with the wood and even with the briquettes, and again, you know, it's been identified, it's a health problem, not talking about the risk of fire, but the smoke, mm. you know, the smoke that hangs over the top of the camp. And, you know, even worse than that uh, is the smoke inside the, the shelters, mm. you know, and you hear a lot of coughing and, and spluttering as you walk around the camp. You know, and you know what it is. It's it's the fact that, you know, people are cooking inside mm. um, their shelters, and you can't cook outside them because they're all so close together. Right. You know, uh, and it would be dangerous, and mm. and, and people recognise that. You know, the the, the, the residents recognise that, so they're cooking inside. The house is like. Uh, they're made out of bamboo and and tarpaulins. Mm. You know, uh, very basic. Uh huh. Uh, sleeping on the floor. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, can you talk a little bit more about the conditions there? What, you know, what people are like, you know, what the uh, the day-to-day -day living conditions are like, their day-to-day lives. Their day-to-day lives are survival. Mm. A survival, you know, their day-to-day lives are. I can only, I can't even put myself into their minds, but I can only imagine it's, you know. What are we going to eat today? How are we going to cook it? What's going to happen to our children? And, you know, the other thing that, you know, that our needs assessment I identified, and it didn't take a lot of identifying because it has been mentioned, obviously, often in the news, but until you see it, is the vulnerable women with children um, who don't have their husbands there because they were killed or, or they've been separated or, or, or something. And, um, and I can fully understand it. There, there is for them, uh, you know, a big fear of what happens outside their shelter. So they tend not to come out. So, mm. you know, they're missing out on food distribution because, you know, if you're a, a, a woman on your own with, say, four children from, I don't know, the age of six months up to the age of, of seven, um, it's difficult to go and queue for food. And some of these queues, you know, you could be queuing up for three, four hours. Um, and it's just impossible for them to do that. Um, so that's another need that we have identified, is, is to try and find a way of getting food uh, to the vulnerable women. Mm. Is there something else that you'd like to say about it? No, I mean, the only thing I'd like to say is, is you know, it's a big job. And, and you know, um, 
our need for funding is is is, is enormous. Mm. You know, if we're going to help these people, um, you know, unfortunately, it's that thing again of having to go back to our supporters and friends, mm. uh, and and asking them to trust us that we will spend their money where it's needed mm. uh, and where it's most needed, and, and you know, we will update people as to what we are doing with their their funding. And you know, I would just like to people to to rest assured that, that, that we are focused on helping people. You know, we're a voluntary organization. Mm. Um, you know, our overheads are very low. So, you know, we are able to to, 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 to to spend the funding where it's most needed. Yeah. I've always thought that our main role is to find these places where the big agencies are struggling to go. And... Like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's the gaps. It's, yeah. it's, um, but there are so many gaps in Bangladesh, you know, I mean, the gaps in Greece, you know, there are a lot of gaps in, in, in Greece, but mm. it, it's, it's easier to fill them because of the numbers. Mm. Um, it's just that, that the gaps there um, are so big uh, mm. and the numbers are so big, you know, and it just goes back to the fact that, you know, we need to identify the people and, and just help the ones we can, you know, we go back to it again, we can't help everybody but we can make a difference to the lives uh, of a number of people. Mm. What do you do to look after yourself, John, in, uh, when dealing with this kind of, uh, you know, working in this kind of environment with the difficulties that you see? I'm not quite sure how to answer that one. <laughs> you got no answer for it? No. Uh, I mean, I, I just... Look, I, I, I you know, um, I love the work that, that, that I do. You know, it's important um, that we look after the vulnerable people in society everywhere. I'm just focused at the moment on, on, on refugees because I, I, I just think um, being moved from the place where you live, leaving your friends, your relations, your aunts, your uncles, your grandmothers, is such a big upheaval uh, on top of everything else uh, that you have, This this whole thing of being in a in a different country in a different environment, um, and these people just for me need so much help. And, and you know, if I can only make a difference to one person's life once a day or even once a week, um, I feel I'm achieving something. Uh, and, and you know, how do I look after myself? Lots of ice cream, Coca-Cola. Sitting down. Sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great. Well, thank you very much for going out and, you know, getting us started on yet another project. Uh, I think we can make a difference. And um, for everyone listening, uh, like John said, it's really we really need your help and support to do that. So please follow us, uh, follow our news. We've got the Facebook page, we've got Twitter, Instagram, we've got a website, and we will be posting as much information as we can uh, out there. Yeah, and I'd just like to finish off uh, just on Bangladesh, and you know, um, Greece is equally as important to us. But I'd just like to thank our team out there who have mm. worked so hard in terrible, terrible conditions every day. Every day they're out doing something to, to try and get us set up and, and, and get us able to deliver some aid with dignity. Mm.